Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Well, we're going to do a free-for-all today on the phones. Uh, I want to explain why out of the gate here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Uh, Y'all, Charlie and I were talking about this before the show. I feel like Groundhog Day every day. It's been the same damn thing over and over again. Excuse my language. I just, it's, it's, it's remarkable that when Trump was president, Every single day brought a new story, largely based on his Twitter feed. And then COVID hit, and every day was COVID. We got out of it for a while, and now we are less than 30 days for the midterms. The economy continues to be a big story. Y'all should know right now the Dow, the NASDAQ, the S&P, they're all down. After yesterday, everyone was kind of surprised that they surged yesterday, and now people are, are cutting their losses. It's it's remarkable. What I want to do out of the gate is something different. And, I, you know, we used to do this a lot. And we're less than 30 days now from midterms. A few weeks from now, thank goodness, we will go back to not having to watch ads. Which, by the way, I have to say, I was very pleased last night watching that terrible football game on my front porch that I didn't have to see the Stacey Abrams, Raphael Warnock ads. Here in Georgia, that's all I see. And I know it's like that wherever you live, all you're seeing. Uh, Those of you in Las Vegas, on our affiliate in Las Vegas, I am stunned. I was talking to a buddy of mine out there that he said basically everything else has gone away. The car commercials have gone away. The insurance commercials have gone away. The Viagra ads have gone away. It is uh, Lombardo, and it is, uh, what's his name, the incumbent governor, and it's uh, Cortez Masto, and it is Laxalt. It's their ads nonstop. It is outside groups nonstop. I thought I had it bad in Georgia. He says he's just given up on TV. Uh, He's not a gambler, and he says he's thinking of going to casinos out there just to start gambling again. Uh, He used to years ago. And gave up the habit, and he's ready to get back into it just so he can avoid the advertisements because there's no TV, radio, or billboards in the casinos. (laughs) Just, it's awful. It doesn't matter where you live. One bright exception turns out to be in Florida where it's still bad. It is still bad. But the Democratic Governors Association has bailed on Charlie Crist. The Democratic Governors Association has bailed on Stacey Abrams in Georgia. They're bailing on Charlie Crist in Georgia, in Florida. They're bailing on uh, Mike DeWine's opponent in Ohio. Uh, it's not even considered a contested race at this point. They thought it could be, but it's not. So I want to give you the lay of the land right now, where things stand, just so you have an idea. In the United States Senate... There are still some up-for-grabs Senate races, and I'm kind of struck by what is and is not there. Uh, Just so we have a sense of it here, uh, you don't have, uh, you've got in uh, Georgia, the race is tied. Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker, it is a tied race. Now, though a tied race, I do want you to know that uh, the ground game is pretty good there for Brian Kemp. He may be able to get Walker into a runoff, if not an outright win, but it's a tied race. In Ohio, uh, the polling there has not been very good generally, and they've got J.D. Vance up. I suspect he's going to win. In Wisconsin, everybody has Ron Johnson up. 
in Nevada, pretty much everybody has Adam Laxalt up. Uh, what's remarkable here is the USA Today Suffolk has uh, Carol Cortez Masto, Catherine Cortez Masto up too. Every other polling firm has Laxalt up. CNN has him up too. Uh, Nevada Independent has him up two. Insider Advantage has him up three. Trafalgar Group, which is a Republican group, has him up four. Data for Progress, a Democratic group, has him up one. There hasn't been a trajectory shift. Everyone widely acknowledges that they don't have the Harry Reid machine out there. The Democrats in Nevada have been really split. This is one of the fascinating undercurrents of this whole election cycle that Democrats and the media haven't really covered is Harry Reid in Nevada before he died kind of controlled the machine. If you went back uh, during that time in the Harry Reid uh, battle for the United States Senate when Sharon Angle and Harry Reid were campaigning, all of the polling towards the end of that race in 2010 had Sharon Angle up. Rasmussen had her up one. Mason Dixon had her up two. And then Rasmussen got her up to four. CNN had her up four. Uh, the Las Vegas Review and Mason Dixon had her up four. Fox News had her up three. PPP, the Democratic firm, had her up one. The polling average had her up 2.7. Harry Reid beat her by 5.6%. Harry Reid had a machine in 2010. Harry Reid had a machine that uh, was not going to be missed. And, well, now the Democratic Socialists took over the Democratic Party, and it kind of broke down that Democratic machine. And the polling in Nevada doesn't have a major bias anymore. The pollsters kind of worked it out in Nevada. But they may now be missing the Hispanic vote in Nevada. The Hispanic vote in Nevada, because of economic and crime issues in Nevada, in addition to the cultural issues on top of it, has moved that race pretty decisively towards the Republicans because Hispanic voters in Nevada resent like hell Steve Sislek, the Democratic governor, shutting the whole place down. If you will remember... Remember, if you will recall, uh, it was um, the the head of the Venetian Palazzo complex out there, the Sands, and he. Uh, oh, what was his? I, I've met him before. Um, oh, I cannot b- r- believe my name, uh, Sheldon Adelson. Of course, Sheldon Adelson kept that casino afloat with his personal money and kept paying the employees. A lot of the other casinos shut down and applied for PPP and let the government pay the employees or let them go on unemployment. Adelson kept his employees out of his own money paid and took care of them. A lot of those employees remembered it was him, and a lot of the other employees in Las Vegas saw what he was doing, and a lot of them were deeply embittered uh, by Sislak, the governor there, shutting things down. Crime has gotten out of control, and now Joe Lombardo, who's been the sheriff, is running as a Republican, and he's beating Sislak. He's up almost two points in the polling average. In Nevada, typically, when you have the Republicans up in both the governor's race and the Senate race in the polling, it tends to show Republican strength across that state. They're both probably going to win, and that's going to give the Republicans a pickup in the Senate. The other issue then becomes the uh, the Pennsylvania race, Fetterman and Oz. What's going on with Fetterman and Oz? Well, let me give you the polling which I find very interesting. Uh, Trafalgar Group has Fetterman up two. USA Today Suffolk has Fetterman up six. 
Emerson College has him up two. Fox News has him up four. Insider Advantage has him up three. Marist has him up seven. Franklin and Marshall up four. Uh, Morning Call has him up five. The data here that's so interesting is that he's gone from a race where he was double digits ahead of Dr. Oz to he's only up 3.4 points. There tends to be a six-point polling bias for the Democrats in Pennsylvania, in large part because Pennsylvania, unlike Nevada, unlike a lot of other states, does not have an in-house firm that does detailed polling. Most of the pollsters who poll uh, Pennsylvania come from out of Pennsylvania. They don't have a, a base of support. So, for example, in in Iowa, you've got Ann Selzer. She's kind of the dean of polling in America. Her national polls aren't fantastic. Her Iowa polls are the polling goal standard. If Ann Selzer says somebody is winning in Ohio, they probably are winning in Ohio. You don't have that in Pennsylvania. And what you do have in Pennsylvania is over the last four polling cycles, you have a bias towards the Democrats of up to six points. If Fetterman is up 3.4 points and the holdouts are right-leaning independents, Republicans probably hold Pennsylvania with Dr. Oz. Now, it's not for sure there, but the trend lines have all been in Oz's direction. The polling went from a uh, poll average of 11 points for Fetterman down to 3.4 points, and things haven't changed there. So Oz probably wins that. The GOP holds it in Wisconsin, Mandela Barnes. Uh, it now turns out he was going on Russia uh, Today, RTV, the Russian propaganda outlet, and advocating for defunding the police and talking about the police. Uh, the big newspaper in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, has brought this out. It's data op-ed, an oppo file on Mandela Barnes. He's been on MSNBC denying he supported defunding the police. Turns out he was going on Russian propaganda outlets calling for defunding the police. That's not going to help him. Crime is the number one issue. Crime tops the economy in Wisconsin for voters, which means Ron Johnson is probably going to win. For those of you in Georgia, you can breathe a little easier. And you can breathe easier because if Oz wins and Ron Johnson wins and Laxalt wins, the Republicans take the Senate by one. You matter less, particularly if there's a runoff. And Republicans, if they don't talk themselves out of voting this time like they did in 2021, have the potential to win in Georgia. The other problem for the Democrats is at the state level in Wisconsin, for example, the polling shows that crime is a bigger issue than the economy. Nationally, the economy is the big issue. The economy is the big issue. Now, I I get people who ask me all the time, if the economy and crime and immigration are more dominant issues than abortion, why on earth is it the case that the polls show everything so close? You've got to understand that in 2020, all the polls were very close then as well. And the Republicans almost took back the House of Representatives. Put it to you this way. In 2020, pollsters identified 27 swing seats in the House of Representatives. Got that? In 2020... Pollsters found 27 swing seats up for grabs in the House of Representatives, and the Democrats led in every single one of those swing seats, and the Republicans wound up winning all of them on Election Day. The pollsters clearly missed something. And so they've tried to make some adjustments, but they don't really know what's broken.
they, they can't really tell. They have some theories as to what's broken, and they're using this year to try to work on those theories. Now, you got to have the real-world results on Election Day so the pollsters can test their theories. They're, it's all theoretical until the voters actually vote. So what are the theories? Here's the prevailing theory, and this is the one that I think – they can't really fix in large part because of how it's happening and the money they would have to use to overwhelm the problem. It's that the people most likely to vote for Republicans aren't talking to the pollsters. Fewer and fewer Americans have landline phones. Any pollster in America can randomly generate a phone number and send it to a landline phone. Pollsters are not allowed to do that with cell phones. You have to actually dial, have an individual person dial a phone number if you want to dial a wireless device. See, what pollsters tend to do is they, they take an area code and then they take the suffixes. So, for example, you know, in, in uh, I live in middle Georgia. My area code is 478. And you've got a variety of suffixes in, or, or prefixes in 478, whether it's uh, 787, 471, 282, 261. It really breaks you down as to what part of the, that 478 area code you're going for. And what the pollsters do is they take the area codes and then they take all the suffixes. And they throw them all in, and then they randomly generate the last four digits, and they call it. Sometimes they call a business. Sometimes they call a dead number. Sometimes they call a fax machine. But sometimes they call a voter. They do that with a computer, and the computer can screen out the fax machines, the dead numbers, the no answers, and they can route them to the, to the people. You know, sometimes you get a phone call, and there's a little blip, and then someone starts talking. Most of the time, it's a telemarketer, but sometimes it's a pollster. And typically, on your caller ID, it identifies the person as a pollster. They're not allowed to do that with cell phones. They have to actually have phone numbers that are manually dialed by individuals, and that has screwed up the polling. Because a lot of Republicans, black and Hispanic voters, don't have landlines anymore. The black and Hispanic voters who are moving to the GOP don't want to talk to pollsters. Republican voters don't want to talk to pollsters. So first, you got to try to manually dial them. You can't use an auto generator. Then when you get to them, they hung, hang up on you or they don't answer the phone. So there's no way to capture them without spending a whole lot of money to call even more people. That makes the poll take longer and it becomes too expensive. So they can't make the adjustments they need. Meanwhile, who are the people who most want to talk to the pollsters? Partisan Democrats who are pro-abortion advocates. They want pollsters to know they're mad as hell at the Supreme Court, the Republicans, they're going to go vote. And that throws the polling balance off. Democrats tell us there are 35 House seats up for grabs this time. Here's the problem for them. According to the detailed polls of just the swing districts, the Republicans are up about seven points. You could see all of those districts go for the GOP. Right now, it looks like there really is a Republican wave. It's just that the flaws of the polling prevent us from capturing it. And we'll know in less than 30 days. Things don't look good for the Democrats before today. With the inflation and economic numbers out and the market tanking as I talk, it's going to be even worse on November 8th. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. 
They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. We still have tickets for bourbon at the gun range uh, where you can either eat play on the gun range or drink bourbon or do none of the above, but come see me uh, in Kennesaw, Governor's Gun Club. It will be, when will it be? It will be October 28th, starting at five. I think there's a general admission ticket. You can come about seven and hang out with me. I'll get to visit with each of you. I'll have some guests with me to give you kind of a final briefing on the midterm elections, what we expect to have happen. You can ask questions. You can come check out the range. It's like a country club except with guns instead of golf. They've got a great restaurant, a great bourbon selection. Uh, You don't have to be a drinker. You don't even have to be a shooter. You don't have to bring a gun. If you want to come, you don't have to bring bullets. You don't have to bring a gun. If you want to shoot, they've got everything there. If you want to partake in the bourbon, you can do that, and they'll give you a voucher to come back later for the gun range. Um, But come hang out. All you have to do is text the word bourbon, B-O-U-R-B-O-N, to 33777. And I will send you a link, click the link, get a ticket, and come hang out. Uh, Glad to have you with me. Uh, It'll be a fun event. Now, I want to take a phone call before I move on to anything else. Jerry, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Eric. Hey, I think a midterm race that needs bear watching that a lot of people aren't talking about is the Utah Senate race with Lee versus this, quote, independent. And I say that uh, because we know that independent is a leftist because if he or she wasn't, the Democrats would have had their candidate in there a long time ago and kicked this person to the curb. So if this person does well in this race, running behind an eye on their ballot, I think you could see not just statewide races, but a lot of local races in 2024 as these Democrats running with an eye by their name. And I think they're watching it. I know the hope the Republicans are watching this, that, hey, they know the D's got a bad stigma. And if they can put an eye, but be a leftist uh, behind the scenes, um, I just think it's bare watching, and I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about it. Yeah, okay, talk. so I'll tell you why I'm not talking about it, Jerry. Uh, one, there's not a ton of polling in Utah. Uh, the polling that there is is not very good polling. They don't have good pollsters in Utah. Um, but from behind the scenes, Republicans just flat out are not worried about McMuffin beating Mike Lee. Uh, they, they do not see him as a competitive threat. Uh, they see this as a media opportunity with the Lincoln Project guys to try to make it into something uh but uh mike lee's team doesn't isn't particularly stressed about it they're aggravated with mitt romney not coming in to endorse him but uh republicans in washington dc do not worry about this u.s senate race going to uh mike or to to evan mcmuffin they 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 don't see it as a competitive threat. Uh, They're more concerned about the North Carolina Senate race, where even there they think Ted Budd is going to be able to do it. Uh, They assume turnout's going to be good for him. They're not that concerned, even in North Carolina. So I I haven't talked about it, and they haven't talked about it, not because uh, we're trying to hide from it, but because nobody's particularly worried about it. Maybe we're all wrong. We could all be wrong, but I don't think we are wrong. 
Uh, and I don't think that the McMuffin threat in Utah is going to amount to much, and maybe we will finally be rid of that guy, although the grifters tend to never go away. They're like herpes. They just keep flaring up every once in a while. Um, we'll find out in less than a month how it shapes out there and everywhere else. So winter is coming, and I got to tell you, I love the weight of the bull and branch sheets. I like them in the summer when it's hot and you don't want a lot of covers on you. But in the wintertime, they're just the perfect weight, the perfect, I don't know, smoothness. They're 100% organic cotton threads. They've got super softness. They get softer every time you wash them. They're just the drape when you're laying down and stuff. They're not. They're just perfect sheets. I love them. Uh, I am effusive with my praise for Bull and Branch, and I'm delighted to have them as an advertiser. Look, they're made from the highest quality threads. They got superior softness. They got over 25,000 rave customer reviews and counting. I'm one of them. The quality you can tell is great. They hold up well after all the washes I've put them through, and they just get softer. It doesn't matter what the thread count is if the fiber sucks, and you can tell they put a lot of great detail into the fibers they use and look bowler branch gives you a 30 night risk-free trial with free shipping returns on all orders you're going to feel the difference you're not going to want to send them back the first 100 organic fair trade certified bedding company ever they use 90 percent less water within conventional production zero press pesticides other chemical chem toxic chemicals they don't use them it's just fantastic. Listen, I'm effusive with my praise. I love Bull and Branch. Try them for yourself. And again, you get a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping, returns on all orders. Try the sheets that will make you fall for the coziest night sleep in the season where you want cozy sheets. 15% off your first set of sheets. Free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BowlinBranch.com. That's BowlinBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC. Trust me, they're worth it. We've got five bedrooms, five beds, bowling brand sheets on every bed. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the show today, 877-973-7425. We're going to get personal here for a few moments. If you don't mind, it's a Friday and it's my show. Today is my 22nd wedding anniversary. If you're a long-time listener, we didn't know if we would get to this point. My wife and I were uh, friends in college. My roommate and her roommate were engaged. My roommate, I'll never forget, the third week of uh, being in school, uh, we went to Mercer University, Macon, Georgia. My roommate, uh, three weeks in, uh, I was on the top bunk, he was on the bottom, and he kept uh, shoving his feet up to wake me up and, and pushing my mattress. I woke up, and he wanted me to know that he thought we would be good friends, but since I wasn't a Catholic, I was going to go to hell. Towards the end of the year, he decided he was gay. Um, he went to FSU. And um, Christy was in the engineering school and wound up leaving the engineering school, and, and her so her dad got her to come back to West Georgia, go back to West Georgia, and she finished up at uh, West Georgia College. We kind of lost touch. And then I got an email out of the blue. My third year in law school from her, she had hung on to my email address. And a guy kind of pushed her to reach out to me. We started dating, um, got engaged in um, March of 2000 and got married that October. October 14th, 
the year 2000. It's, it's, I got to tell you, one of the genius things was getting married in the year 2000. So I will never forget how many years I've been married because it is 2022. So I have been married 22 years today. Um, in 2006, the week before Christmas, we had a one-year-old and my wife was given six months to live. Um, I had to be the one to tell her, I'm sorry. I've, I, as many times as I've told this story, it, it gets to me every time. I had to tell my wife she was going to die. It was raining. There was a wreck. The doctors who performed the surgery needed to go to the emergency room to help with overflow. So I got to go back down that windowless corridor to that recovery room. I got to hold her hand as she came out from under the anesthesia. A lung biopsy is no fun thing. It's a very painful surgery. They have to go in through your back. And I got to tell her she had six months to live. They had found a cancer. She had had some spots in her lungs. They found this blood clot in her jugular vein. And um, it presented in her lungs as a rare form of cancer that had spread finely to her lungs. Uh, and at that point, it was fatal. We had a one-year-old. And I had to tell my wife, break the news try to keep my composure and then rush off to get my one-year-old out of daycare because it was almost six o'clock by then and they were going to close and I had to go get my kid. And so I went and got my child and I got home and was so emotionally spent. It was raining and I got Evelyn out of the car as a one-year-old and held her close and just sank into the mud and just started crying waited for family to come relieve me so I could go back to the hospital. And, you know, Christy flat out did not believe it. She absolutely not. The more she woke up, the more she thought about it. She, I'm, I'm not dying. There's no way. I don't feel like it. Um, six months to live. This is nonsense. And the doctors eventually came back in and said they had looked at all the information again. And turns out they had misdiagnosed her. It was a, a condition they weren't very familiar with. And they were sending the samples off to the Mayo Clinic, but relaxed. They were pretty sure it wasn't cancer after all. <laughs> By the way, did I mention I lost my job that day too? Yeah, I, I, the same day I lost my job. Um, the company I was working for had run out of money. Uh, they could they could pay me till the end of the month, uh, a week away or two weeks away because this was a week before Christmas. Uh, but I lost my job too that day. Uh, it was a, it was a great day. Won't forget that day anytime soon. Uh, wound up uh, having a, a company in Washington swoop in and get my my um, hire me by my company and kept me on running redstate.com for a number of years thereafter. Christy was misdiagnosed. The Mayo Clinic said it was a benign condition, but I got to tell you, uh, so you fast forward to 2016, the, the whirlwind we've been through. I started out as a lawyer, miserable lawyer, started running campaigns because I really didn't like, I liked the transactional side of law, but we lived in Macon, Georgia. And in Macon, Georgia, you couldn't really be a lawyer of one thing. You had to kind of be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And I was doing um, property bonds, doing a lot of transactional work, helping my, the partner I work with, Kevin, was 
It did a lot of the uh, bonds in lieu of payment for taxes. We did the Bass Pro Shop. If you drive past it down in Macon, that was one of the last legal projects I worked on. Uh, worked on a few others down there. I really like the transactional side of stuff, working with businesses, getting businesses off the ground. I, I just hated clients, though. All, all the problems, uh, all the people want to sue each other whose problems were easily solvable, but they were mad at each other and didn't want to do it. And I was miserable and wound up running Red State full-time, turned it into a career, took a job in Washington for a year, commuted back and forth until Christy told me I was going to kill myself or she was going to kill me. And we made Red State work until nearly lost my job that week before Christmas in 2006. And then a company came in and bought it uh, and I kept running Red State. And we were on two incomes at the time and, and struggling to make ends meet, sacrificing. I mean, I feel so sorry for the people right now with baby formula shortages. It's still going on, the media doesn't cover it, but the baby formula shortages are still terrible out there. I know friends who are really struggling, the costs are astronomical. And I remember back then, um, right after we got married, three months after we got married, uh, Christy had to have a double mastectomy. She has a horrible, horrible history of breast cancer in her family. And we knew she was going to have to do it. And so we had to use formula. We, we, there was no breastfeeding in our house. Had to use formula. And it was expensive then. And I remember that the things we had to, to sacrifice on, the, the, we had to, the house was colder in the wintertime, hotter in the summertime. We couldn't make ends meet. We were struggling. I had to defer loans. We had to buy formula. We couldn't let the baby starve. And now it's even worse than it was then. But we managed as a team. And you got to 2016, and, and suddenly I'm not just running Red State. I'm a CNN contributor and then a Fox News contributor. I am uh, replace Herman Cain on the radio in Atlanta, and my show kind of takes off. And I'm the first person on that station in Atlanta to have never been in radio before to go straight to the weeknights instead of a weekend show as a trial run. Just went straight from having never been on radio to weeknights, 9 to midnight. Uh, within a year was evening drive time, which you just don't do at radio. I'd like to pat myself on the back, but it, it's more its a, more of a God thing than a me thing. I'm not that good. He just kind of sometimes helps me guide my tongue. Sometimes I ignore it. Uh, it's just, um, it's been a wild ride. And then in, in 2016, I have those clots in my lungs. And they're calling my family, telling my family they need to come because I'm probably not going to live. The same day. My phone is ringing as they're wheeling me into the cardiac ICU unit. And it's my wife saying the Mayo Clinic called and said, hey, I remember 10 years ago we found those benign things in your lungs. We think it might be a form of cancer now and we need you to come check. And she had to go have another lung biopsy. This time in Arizona, I wasn't allowed to fly. I couldn't be on an airplane for six months with all the clots in my lungs. Sure enough, she's got cancer, lung cancer. Uh, a lung cancer for which there is no cure. It's genetic. And uh, turns out she didn't have the breast cancer gene. She had the lung cancer gene. So she didn't really need the mastectomy, I guess, but it was a good peace of mind for us, despite all the surgery she had to go through to reconstruct things and, and having kids and the like. But um, here we are now, 22 years later. We're still both here. We're still both alive. Um, we have two wonderful kids. I have a great job. Um, by the blessings of my job and, and, and God being good, she gets to be home with the kids and build memories. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm at the point where I'm ready for my radio career to grow further and expand more and grow the income just so I can, uh, have more opportunities to take my family places to build more memories in ways we otherwise couldn't.
because at some point we we think this medicine she's on will stop working. And all the things we have prepared ourselves for on multiple occasions to deal with, we will actually really have to deal with them. But God has been kind thus far. And, and you know, we went when she was diagnosed in 2016 and knowing there's no cure for the cancer she has, we went from thinking maybe she could get uh, see our oldest to graduation. And you gamble with God because you just give us a little more time. Now we're thinking, well, she might be able to see the youngest get out of high school too. Maybe, we don't know. Maybe we can see the oldest and the youngest get out of college. Maybe we can see our grandkids. We, we don't know. We play it by ear. Um, I did not expect to be a radio show host. There is nothing in my resume, my career, my desires, my ambitions to have led me to sit behind this microphone with y'all. And here I am. Um, my wife got a degree in, in at West Georgia College. She became the assistant to the president of Mercy University. Um, she was able then, because of the changes in my career, to be a stay-at-home mom, which she still does. Uh, 22 years ago today, my wife took an oath before God and people and said she would love, honor, and obey me. Literally, a uh, girl I, who was a, worked in my law firm gasped, like audibly gasped when my wife said she would obey me. For t- the last 22 years, I have been obeying my wife in every way, shape, or form. I have learned to say yes, dear, to acknowledge that I am always wrong even when I'm not, and she is always right even when she's not. This is the nature of marriage. God has a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, sometimes I'm an awful, terrible person to live with. I, I don't make it easy, y'all. I don't make it easy. Uh, my life has been a whirlwind. I will be in Washington several days next week. The vast right-wing conspiracy has summoned me. Uh, and I have spent a lot of time on the road away from my family. Uh, and I enjoy them as much as I can. And every once in a while, they now know I just have to have a break because I'm not really a people person. As much as I play one on radio, I'm not really a people person. And sometimes it just all kind of exhausts me. And so every once in a while, I'll go sit on a mountainside by myself. And they've come to understand that. And my wife gets on her Harley and she rides the countryside by herself. Tonight, I'll take her to dinner and we'll play it by ear because we play everything by ear these days. But I sure do love her. And I know this is way more emotional and way more personal than what it should be on this radio program. But I just I needed to share that. 22 years we've been doing this. Every three months, we go for her cancer scans. We'll go next month for the next one. In fact, it'll be on election day. Uh, and I'll, I've got a game plan that on how do I go to her scans with her on election day and make everything else work that has to work. And I'm not sure I can pull this one off because it will kind of be like like the Super Bowl day for me. So I don't know, but we'll make it work. We always have. We always will. We have two wonderful kids I have wonderful family, as does she. I uh, love my in-laws as much as I love my parents. And um, it's just been a wild ride. So sorry, didn't mean to bore you guys with that. Uh, but I sure do appreciate my wife and want this on the record. All right, we got to move on. Jim, what's next? Ah, good. I'm going to meet with them next week. Um, Americans for Prosperity. They're my newest advertiser. Uh, and they are an advertiser that I sought. Uh, they didn't come to me. I went to them. And the reason is because you guys always ask me for what can you do? You don't just want 
to hear what's going on. You want to be able to make change in your community. There are a lot of groups out there that claim that they can do online armies and armies of activists. Very few actually do really good education of what that looks like. They Very few of them give you the tools and the information and the knowledge for you to be effective in your local community. Americas for Prosperity has been doing this for years. They're not a think tank in Washington that just passes around white papers. They're actually an army of activists around the country that you can be involved with to advance freedom and uh, you can advance small government. You can advance uh, the free markets with AFP. That's what they stand for. They haven't wavered. You know, the, the conservative movement's gone kind of wobbly over the past couple of years. What do we stand for? What do we, what do we exist for? AFP has single-mindedly focused on free people and free markets and small government. And they help you all the way down to the local level. I'm sure there's a chapter wherever you are. I really hope you will look into AFP. You can go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric and find out more. Find out where your local chapter is, americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Reach out to them. Become a member. Partner with them. They give you the intellectual firepower to be able to make sound arguments before your local school board. And then they teach you how to go to your local school board, how to engage as an activist. It's one thing for you to sit here and yell at the radio when I'm talking about news. It's quite another to show up at the school board and be the smart person in the room who knows what you're talking about. And that's what AFP helps you do. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Always committed to free peoples, free markets, and small government. They're right who you want to be with. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, it's a free-for-all today. You can call in. You can set the agenda on the phones if you like. Uh, I do have stuff i got to talk about in the next hour. Um, but uh, first, I want you to know you should text my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. And I want to send you back the email link, um, the podcast link, the live stream link, subscribe to the email um, so that you get all the latest information, including the stack of stuff. Now, we need to talk about that thing. I only want to talk about it briefly. Yes, the car crash, train wreck, collision that will happen in Savannah, Georgia tonight. For those of you who wish to, are you're into like you find it one of those like erotic fixations to watch train crashes, like you know there's this whole thing of people who they like want to watch wrecks and train crashes and it like turns them on or something. Uh, there will be one in Savannah, Georgia tonight. It's called the senatorial debate. <laughs> uh, I am it, it, I am told that if you have the the app. For my flagship station, WSB Radio, you will be able to hear that uh, tonight. Uh, the Warnock, Walker, I think the Libertarian candidate as well, uh, what's his name, Chase uh, Oliver, I think his name is, that uh, it'll be a debate in Savannah, Georgia. And may God have mercy on all of your souls for watching, holy moly, uh, the problem here, this is a real problem, and I think it's almost by design, is that's also going to be the Braves-Phillies game. And will Georgians be watching the Braves and the Phillies or watching on a Friday night a senatorial debate? My guess is, of course, they'll watch the Braves. My personal take is that it doesn't matter. I, I really actually don't believe that it matters much. I don't think that uh, the debates matter. This one may matter a little more 
just given the impact of things, but I, I just, I don't think so. I just don't think that they're going to matter that much. I think what's going to matter is the ad campaign. I think what's going to matter is the ground game for Brian Kemp. Those are the sorts of things that will matter in Georgia between Walker and Warnock. And Brian Kemp has a remarkably good ground game in Georgia. I mean, no one expects Stacey Abrams. When you look at Stacey Abrams' campaign in Georgia, y'all, she doesn't expect to win. The energy has gone out of her campaign. And it's just, I think it's going to be good. By the way, there's new polling out in Arizona as well uh, that has Carrie Lake up three. There's actually two polls that have come out. Uh, Predictive Insights poll, I don't know anything about that pollster, and also an Insider Advantage poll. Both of them have Carrie Lake up three now. Katie Hobbs, the Democrat out there, is getting dragged by the New York Times for what a terrible candidate she is. It's remarkable. She has refused to debate Carrie Lake. Uh, In Georgia, Herschel Walker will debate Raphael Warnock, and in Arizona, Katie Hobbs won't debate Carrie Lake. That's how terrible a candidate Katie Hobbs is. It's unbelievable that this is who the Democrats put up out there.